0: palace's bronze gates, but in the empire beyond she still lived. Soldiers camped on the Persian border traded coarse jokes about the former actress thinking they insulted a living woman. General Belisarius, beaten back by the Goths in Italy, could continue to hope for a few days longer that the Empress might sway Justinian to send reinforcements. In Alexandria a Monophysite clergyman penned a homily on Theodora's piety, unaware that she had already joined his heretical saints. Now released into the city, word of her death flowed like a swiftly lengthening shadow along Constantinople's thoroughfares. It reached into taverns and baths, tenements and churches, bringing jubilation, satisfaction, and even sorrow. Born by worshippers, the shadow fell across the encomium to her charitable works, Chiseled into the white marble entablature of the Church of St. Sergius and Bacchus, and on the lips of a garrulous ferryman, it passed over the whitened bones of her enemies, scattered against the sea walls beneath the waters of the Marmara. By nightfall, Theodora would be dead to all who dwelt within the area bound by the capital's land walls. Weeks would pass before she died at the furthest outposts of the Empire, from the Danube in the north and Egypt in the south from Lazica, east of the Black Sea, to the westernmost part of the African prefecture. She would go on living for several extra days in Syria, thanks to John the Cappadocian, the former official she so hated. News travelled slowly there, because the Cappadocian had substituted plodding mules for horses, as a money-saving measure. Another John the late Empress had hated, the Lord Chamberlain to Emperor Justinian, turned away from the newly widowed ruler as the brief meeting of the Imperial Council ended. John the eunuch, as many called him but never to his face, was in his early fifties, a tall, lean Greek, clean-shaven with high sharp cheekbones and sun-darkened skin. Age had not grayed his closely cropped black hair. He wore deep blue robes, made of the finest cloth, adorned only by a narrow gold stripe along the hem. Dressed less elegantly, he could have passed for the mercenary he had been as a young man, or as a desert dwelling hermit. John, please remain. The Emperor spoke softly. His bland, round, and slightly puffy face looked too calm to belong to a man standing beside the body of his newly deceased wife. The members of the Imperial Council, who had been available at short notice, filed out of the cramped sick room as quickly as dignity allowed the Praetorian Prefect of the East, the Master of Offices who headed the palace administration, the Emperor's legal advisor, the Questor, and the Imperial Treasurer. Their hasty departure whirled the haze of lamp-smoke, incense, and perfume. John watched their escape, then fixed his gaze on Justinian. As a count of the consistory, John had no specific duties. His work depended on the Emperor's whim. Excellency, John said, my condolences. Offer her prayer for her soul, John. This was an order John could not carry out, because he worshipped Mithra in secret, rather than the God of the Christians. He inclined his head in a vague gesture he hoped would be taken for assent, then looked on uncomfortably as Justinian paced to the foot of the bed and tugged its sheet straighter the Emperor refused to leave Theodora's side. Did he truly grasp that she was dead? John realized that now he would never be entirely certain why Theodora had hated him. Perhaps she had not wanted to share the Emperor with other advisers. There was no sense of victory. If John felt anything, it was regret that she had departed before he'd managed to defeat her. He felt nothing toward the husk she had left behind. His enemy's death gave John no sense of relief either. He struggled to accept that finally, after more than twenty years, Theodora no longer threatened him. Justinian paced back to the head of the bed. His pacing was the only sign he gave of agitation. The evildoer will eventually be brought to justice before the throne of God. As God's representative on earth, it is up to me to administer justice in this world. "'Evil-doer, Excellency?' "'The monster who murdered the Empress.' The statement took John off guard. For months the court had observed in horror as the Empress wasted away.